a part of that safety net that I would call it is health insurance. What are you really building? You know, what wealth are you really building when you don't have the health to even get there? You know, like you said, emergency exactly. situations. I remember when I had to get an emergency root canal and crown. Now, these situations have you, should you not properly structure yourself up for this transition can actually set you back even further. A safety net of funds that you actually did say can get blown with one emergency situation that you had happen because you didn't properly plan oh, for yeah. that. I'm Raphael. I'm Cecily. Welcome to Family Man Building the Brand, the podcast that explores what it means to be a father, husband, and a businessman. Join us as we talk to entrepreneurs that are winning at home and in business. Join us as we talk about their journeys, family life, and tips for success. What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of Family Man Building a Brand Podcast. Your host is Williams and Raphael Say. What's up, Ralph? What's going on? Nothing much, brother. Nothing much. Cool, man. We have another great episode for you guys. Ralph and I are going to be discussing, obviously, matters that involve our entrepreneurial journey, our experiences, and obviously just throwing out some information out there that you could find useful. So today's episode actually is quite an interesting one. Is We're going to be talking about the transition from the nine to five to the full-time entrepreneur. And you have to take family and your financial considerations into perspective. So I think... Since we started this podcast, Ralph, for most of the people we've interviewed, if not 99% so far, have had some kind of nine to five to full-time entrepreneurial transition. And even us, we've kind of gone from a nine to five to being full-time entrepreneurs. For me, something I probably, I, I mean, from a mindset perspective, something I wasn't really always thinking about how I'd make that transition. But here we are as full-time entrepreneurs and Today, we kind of wanted to talk about the transition from nine to five to full time. And it's just going to be an open conversation for Ralph and I, where we're talking about our journey, because I think it's most important. Right. I think there are steps that people should take, which you can kind of say, it's like a manual. People create, with anything, there's a manual that's created and it says there's these steps and you should follow these steps to go from A to B or from A to Z. And for us, we haven't really always followed those steps. So we're going to talk about our journey and some of our mishaps or some of the things that we did right that hopefully you can take away from and that could help you from transitioning from your nine to five to your uh, to becoming a full-time entrepreneur. So yeah, that's what we're going to yeah, talk man. about today. Yeah, no doubt, man. I think it's key, Cecil, that we give the audience a key background of what we're doing within our nine to fives and how we actually were transitioned. Just because, Cecil, I know that we weren't, our situations wasn't the most cookie-cutter way. It wasn't the normal way that, you know, we would profess now, a, a more structured, efficient way that we would profess now. But I think of that background of what we were doing, how it was affecting the business, and when we finally made that transition is going to help the audience a lot. So, man, I'll, I'll start off, Cecil, man. You know, uh, just to give some background, I'm sure I mentioned this in previous episodes, but I'm actually a nurse by trade and short but sweet. I, I pretty much ditched nursing and I stayed full time at my part time job during nursing school. And that was at AutoZone. A lot of people are going to ask why. And obviously my family asked why and things of that sort. But the reality was I was in a position of chasing my passion. So, you know, I'm a car guy. I mean, we've had our share of, of hot rides and, you know, these cars that you know, cruising LA streets, you know, played a role within our upbringing. And I was passionate about cars, but I was yeah. also passionate. I'm also passionate about, you know, turning a dime into 
uh, a daughter. So AutoZone provided that for me. Now, when, when, we were, when I was at AutoZone, yes, yeah, so as a manager, uh, I was bringing in a great income. Uh, I was in, great for those times. You know, I was in my mid-20s. I didn't have the responsibilities that I have now. Yeah, I didn't have the you know responsibility that I had now. So you know, it was a decent income, but at the same time, I needed more. And that more came in the, the fashion of collaborating with you, partnering with you in order to build Royal Dynamite or a clothing brand. And that, would, that was to be supplement income. But meanwhile, I did make sure that I stayed at the 95. I stayed at AutoZone. I kept bringing in that standard check to handle bills, make sure to provide a roof for my family. But it was also investment capital for Royal Dynamite. So in short, I ended up being terminated from AutoZone for the use of my discount as my discount was helping me build my other side hustle, which was called flipping, yeah, yeah. you know, but anyway, man, these companies, man, they saw me growing outside of that. I was bringing, I was driving the hottest whips to work. These are cars that are flipping. So it's a new car every day, things that sort, but in short, I was terminated. I didn't plan for that, you know, and it was a shocker. I had my then fiance and I had my first son Kingston. And for me to know that wow. the standard, the steady check wasn't coming in was a shocker. So that was my transition. I'll, I'll break it down a little bit further as we go along, but I'm sure, you know, the audience wanted to hear about yours and we can get a little bit more into detail, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually curious to know what <laughs> the, I mean, before I even start with my, I just have right. one question because I'll tell you mine, but when you got fired from AutoZone, knowing that you had a family, what was going through your mind? Man, the uncertainty. I was, you know, I, I was in a position where I was heavily invested. So we, we had invested in private equity deals um, that w actually provided an income during that time. So it kind of provided yeah. some consolation. But at the end of the day, I knew that the steady check wasn't there. So there was some uncertainty. This was my first time um, being fired from a nine to five. I had worked at Sears prior. I've only had one more nine to five prior to that. And uh, the other nine to five I walked out of, but this one was something I was building with. It was a seed capital nine to five. It was helping us build our D. We we're hiring on staff. We we're doing our thing. So to be honest, man, it was a shocker. I, you know, I, I, I had to get mentally strong and I relied on the investments that we made in private equity and this real estate and all these things. Royal Dynamite wasn't turning over a profit for us yet, but that's how I was able to deal with that shock and get through knowing that I had something coming in, but it was a scramble to get back on my feet and get things going for real. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, it takes me back in memories because yes, I think for me, graduating college, my first nine to five was in recruiting and I worked in that, in, well, in that job for about four years and it led us into what, 2007, 2008. So, I mean, it was interesting because I was in an industry where we were recruiting people for companies and here I am cold calling companies and hearing somebody from HR saying we just laid off the budget employees and here I am knocking on the door trying to get them to hire someone. So we kind of, I think I had a front seat to what was going on and I knew my time was coming. So for me, yes, I had a base salary. The goal was to save that base salary as much as possible because like you said you you pick up these side hustles and I mean, while I had that job it was my first job out of college not like I was making crazy money 
So here I was trying to always find a way to make extra money selling jeans with my vending machine and all that type of stuff, just to kind of yeah. subsidize extra money, whether it's, it was for savings or business ventures or things like that. And finally got let go. And I think for me always kind of foresee these things and I prepare for them financially to a certain extent. So at that level, I mean, the day, yes, I think for anyone, mostly the day you get told this is your last day, it's, real. It, it's kind of shocking to the system. Yes. However, I mean, if you were expecting, you kind of prepare for it and you say, okay, what's next? Like, okay. I mean, the beauty with the American system is yes, honestly and truthfully, there's unemployment, there's resources to help you while you transition to get back on your feet and that type of stuff. But I mean, to put it all in perspective, like Ralph said, we started Royal Dynamite when he was at AutoZone when I had my recruiting job and it was a good way for us to fund the business. I mean, initially we both invested about $500 each into Royal Dynamite, which we spent on just purchasing blanks and creating some designs and then obviously printing, I think it was like a hundred T's or something like that. Then, then printing stuff was really cheap, not like what it is today. And this was almost 13 years ago. Right. And we forced ourselves to sell these things. I think it was more of a proof concept. So it goes to some of the things we'll talk about later, where when you're building a small business or a side hustle that you're looking to turn into a full-time business, you kind of have to prove that works. And um, I think that's what we did. Yeah, value that it works. And we needed to see if we had something. We needed to see if we could scale um, from just a side hustle to something bigger and that type of stuff. So I think it was a very interesting period for us. But I think when people are looking to make that transition, so you're in pre-transition phase. And I think in that pre-transition phase, what most people would need to do is look at their current financial situation, look at their savings, right. look at their debt. I mean, look at your and budget. We didn't do that. You know, we were kind of, you know, ripped from the cord. And I will always say for me, for me, I've always been, I mean, and I know you too, but like just to kind of put things in context, I've always been a financially savvy and interested person. So yeah. in my personal finances, I always made sure I was saving money. I was, I mean, I, I watched my spending. I had emergency funds, but it, it's kind of one of those things when you get laid off and we were still very young. You're not thinking of how do I spend this money? Because we weren't, that's not the plan. We, yeah, we weren't actually thinking, okay, this savings is like one year's worth of savings. We can use that to fund the business or right. do anything. It's surviving savings. It's right. like, yo, I need this to pay rent. I need this to pay the car note. I need this to pay my bills. What, what would you suggest now if you well, were I mean, in this now, position? I think how much? People would say six months. I think if you want to make that transition, you need at least 12 months. It sounds no, no, no. outrageous, but... It's reality. You need the financial discipline and backing to be able to comfortably transition from nine to five times. You need at least 12 months. And no matter how long it takes for you to save that, take your time to save it. There is no rush. I mean, Facts. unless like you knew, I mean, nobody knows the, the date of expiration. Nobody knows the day they're going to die. So unless you know that date, then you can rush things. But because the end of the day, time will go by. So whether you do it or you don't, it's going to happen. So I would say 12 months to really no save and put yourself in a necessary financial situation to make sure when you transition, you are doing it right. And obviously, like Ralph and I said earlier, you have proved to yourself that yeah. 
you can make that transition. Your business, your proof, the proof of concept, your business actually validates itself to be able to, I guess, generate enough, enough revenue yeah, that's a, to sustain yeah. itself and you as well. The reality was, is we were, you know, we actually, we had some type of proof of concept because like you said, we invested that $500. This was during us still working. We invested that $500. Yeah. We're able to print for cheap and we printed a hundred t-shirts and sold that hundred t-shirts within a week. So think about this as for someone that, you know, this happened while I'm still at the nine to five and then I get terminated from that nine to five. But I knew that I was building something that can make me a thousand dollars a week. Oh, snap. It gave me the confidence of saying, you know what? Yeah. I've got things going that, you know, I should be able to survive through this period, this phase. Exactly. And I think you have to validate your business idea. And for us, I think one of the ways we validated our business, when we started, I I graduated from Long Beach State and I was just looking for resources. And I think I came across this, it was kind of like this small business, not a chamber of commerce, but something similar to that, where I met this lady who had... Basically, people who have built successful companies or being part of successful companies and they give their time to young entrepreneurs. So I had this lady who was mentoring me and she would literally, she made me literally write a new business plan for Royal Dynamite. She gave me ideas of how, I think she was one of the first people who gave us the ideas of really latching onto collaborations and which is what something we went on yeah. to do that was probably the most successful thing we did about RD, but also... She's like, you don't have a lot of money, so you need to find people to help you. And she said, you went to the school, go to these kids and talk to them about what you're doing. So I was part of like the American Marketing Association, Black Business Students Association. She's like, go back on your campus and talk to these kids about what you do. And I did. And as we, as luck would have it, or the fact that we put ourselves in the position, we talked to these kids about what we did, told them about RD. And I wasn't far removed from the process of college and young kids in the culture itself. And they were excited about what we're doing. I think we got like five to six interns from just that. They were going to help us to then do things. I mean, these kids understood social media or what, what it was yeah. back then and these kinds of things. So it definitely helped us when it came to building a small team to make sure we weren't doing exactly everything um, that was needed to, to yeah. scale and grow the business or at least make that transition. I mean, keeping in mind, we still have jobs. Yeah. So it was helpful to know that we, after the job, so we, I mean, quick secret or quick insight to that, Ralph's apartment is what we used to call the lab. So after work, we would go to his apartment and literally start the second phase of our day, which was now yeah. figuring out how to run the business. And then we would communicate, obviously, with our interns via, um, obviously, computer and all that all, um, other good stuff. But I think for people looking to make that transition, you have to know what your current situation is. You have to know what you're making. You have to know how much. So if me, for instance, using whole figures, if you make $5,000 a month, yes, people would say, then you need one year's worth of salary. Then you, at least you kind of need almost $60,000 in, in the bank. Now you could use part of your job to save that. But I think your side hustle should be good enough. Like we said, validate the business yeah, idea, correct. whether it's through pitching it to people, but also starting the business at a very small scale to make sure it generates some money and take some of that money to reinvest it back. But also I would say if you are making a little bit of an excess, save that money also into your um, savings account 
for, to get that cushion. Because when you get that cushion, at least you know when you walk away from your job, hopefully the company or the business is generating revenue and you have that cushion to now know that you could cover, obviously your bills, you could cover all these different things, but you have some money to invest back into the business and things of that sort. So I oh, think yeah, man. that's, I'm not going to say the right way to do it, but that's essentially. Well, it would have been a like better it, way for path. us to do it back then. Correct. Yeah. A better path, a, a more safer path, you know. So for everyone listening now, the, the goal is for you to get this game and do it what we would consider to be the right way. Yeah, we survived our way, but there's a better way. There's a safer way to go about this. Our way definitely wasn't linear. It wasn't. <laughs> and, and most people will tell you, I mean, for, for instance, I, I think. We recently interviewed a, a gentleman and he explained to us how he went through it. it, it I mean, two of them, actually, it was very systematized as mm -hmm. to how they did it. They made sure they worked their nine to five. They, they validated everything they were doing or one of them validated everything he was doing, made sure he checked his finances, talked to his family, made sure everything was in place before he made that transition. A lot of caution. Mm -hmm. I was amazed at the plan. Another gentleman we spoke to had kind of like a timeline. I do, I spend this much time in the private sector. I spend this much time um, working in the public se sector and then I move up, I do this. So basically gaining experience and then ready to be in a position to make that transition. So a lot of people would do things that way. And I think that's the way it's supposed to be done as an entrepreneur, because I think maybe some of us younger, naive, we sporadically think entrepreneurs are sexy and we just want to do things however we want to do them. And we just have has do things, which honestly is not the right way. And right. it comes with a lot of consequences. And oh, I yeah. would say going, I would tell people to continue working while they're growing their business Definitely. on the side. I mean, Ralph, you and, have, and then, I, I mean, for Ralph, for instance, yeah, you course, did so. that and you had the cars, like you said. You, I mean, no, I was just saying, we both figured it out, but for you, while you were working, you always had the car hustle, which was a tried and tested uh, formula for you to be able to make money on the side. Exactly. And, you know, uh, and, you know, the key was with that sense as well, too, was that I was able to allocate. I was really flipping those cars and I wasn't really eating off of them. I was using it as a safety net. I was building up funds as a safety net to invest further into R&D. And obviously for survival mode. So, yes, yeah, so, so I was actually taking those funds, you know, and reallocating it, putting it back into the business, you know, one, so that way I can continue to grow it in order to feed World Dynamite more and also to create that safety net for the family, for any type of survival, man. And also, Cecil, so, so during that time, the, the capital that I was working, the capital that I was making nine to five and the capital being made from the car flipping is what used to pay Sarah or marketing, pretty much I can call her a CMO then, or chief marketing you know, officer. Yeah. And we were, we, I mean, I said, so if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, we're paying her probably about $800 a month as one expense, you know? So yeah. this was $400 each that we were putting in. We had to generate that plus more in order to really survive. So, you know, it, it was key. I, I know you said that, you know, you know, it was key that we went and got interns because it, it wouldn't have made sense for us to build these nest eggs and to stack all this cash for survival. But since we have it stacked, let's go on ahead and burn it on this end. No, cut your costs down from the very yeah, beginning. Yeah, and that, for real. that was a pro tip. So for people yeah. looking 
to, I mean, I know today in today's world, there's VAs and all these things, which you have to actually pay. If you, I mean, are connected to any kind of institution, educational institution that you went to, trust me, go back there and talk to the young kids. And we had a pipeline of interns for a year that worked for (laughs) us for free. And all we had to do for them was sign some paper that gave them credit either in class or, I mean, it gave them real life examples because like Ralph said, we had a lady by the name of Sarah who basically played the role of a marketing manager, marketing. She managed everything, marketing and PR for us in terms of communications and scheduling and operations of that part of the business. And she essentially, I mean, I think at one point in time we had like seven interns that she managed as well, which allowed us to be in our nine to five jobs. And it was like, okay, high level updates and things of that nature. So it it definitely helps. And we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have to pay these interns. They got experience and they also got credit um, for it. So that was something that was very important for us. And like Rob said, also we, through our jobs, we would make, we, our jobs, I always say your job is your first investor in anything that you do. So we had to make sure our jobs were investing in us. Now, I, I also say this because we had partners. I mean, people, the, the path is also part of making sure and ensure that you have health insurance and certain benefits in place because these are things that people think That's about that scare them into making a transition to, to the nine to five. Because I, I, you hear a lot of people in America because of the way the system works that I can't quit my job because, I mean, they, they don't even think about the paycheck as much. I mean, it's the first thing that normally comes out of their mouth. I need health insurance. I need yeah. my benefits. And I mean, you then later on, they came like, well, I can save, like you say, you can save the money and you can have the year's worth of savings. But if you then quit your job and obviously you don't have, you then don't have, if anything would happen to you, dentist, you need to go to dentist, you need to go to hospital, yeah. you don't have life insurance. So for us, I think it's important to always make sure I mean, in this case, being that our platform is about family, we had significant others, whether they had turned wives or girlfriends that had, I mean, in this case, wives that had jobs that gave them, that gave us the health benefits. And even till today, that's something that we lean on to make sure. I mean, and and if you don't, you're out of luck. I'm just kidding. But I mean, (laughs) honestly, you kind of have the you got to have to find a way. I know today there's cheaper options for insurance out there, um, whether through startups or even through what Obamacare was and, and that type of stuff for you to look into. But that's something, that's why I'm saying you have to have a cushion to make sure you have these things. Or better yet, do not just quit your job when you have that cushion. So you have to be very disciplined. I think this is the most important part of it. Is while you're keeping your job, you have to be very disciplined at saving, at budgeting, yep. at keeping to your keeping your expenses to a minimum to yep. make sure you're able to save for the, the transition, but to also make sure you're able to invest into your business. Definitely, man. And I, I think that's definitely key, Seth, because a part of that safety net that I will call it is health insurance. What are you really building? You know, what wealth are you really building when you don't have the health to even get there? You know? Like you said, emergency exactly. situations. I remember when I had to get an emergency root canal and crown, you know. Now, these situations, have you should you not properly structure yourself up for this transition, can actually set you back even further. A safety net of funds that you actually did say can get blown with one emergency situation that you had happen because you didn't properly plan oh, for yeah. that. So I think that was a, a real pro tip. 
is making sure that your health insurance, all your insurances are intact as well, too. And again, we had partners that could provide that. But if you are that single person or you're not in a position to where legally your significant other can add you onto their benefits and things of that sort, make sure to set yourself up with you know free programs, Obamacare. There's digital programs that are cheap now, WebMD. There's all types of you know online doctorship that I mean doctors that you can actually go through in order to seek help. Also, Cecil, like you, you made a great point with us having to be locked in and stay focused because. This is where we were able to get rolled down and to start generating consistent income, okay? For everyone aiming to make this transition, have that side hustle, that side business generate consistently. At that point now, you know for a fact you have your safety net, everything is set, and this business that you've been building that you want to take on full-time is already in motion, and then you go in and you go on ahead and grow that thing. So I think that was a key gem that you threw out right there too, man. I mean, yeah, you definitely have to, I mean, I think in this part of the transition process, you are scaling your business to generate consistent income. You have to make sure you kind of have to look at what you're making and, and you're making progress. You have to kind of certain milestones. And I think you set these milestones. And if you get to these milestones, then you know, you're one step closer to yeah. leaving your nine to five. So whether it's consistent income or revenue, or depending on what you're doing, you could see, hey, I want to be able to get more clients. If I go from five to 10 clients, and I know that it will increase your revenue. And as such, you're getting closer. Now, this is a very difficult phase, I must say, because for most people, they're having to maintain a nine to five job. And at the same time, having to almost work. Because entrepreneurship, as much as we're calling it a side hustle, you put in a lot of time and sometimes that time could be more than the 40 hours you put at work. And now, but me, I had an interesting situation, I think, which I had to lean on Ralph a lot. And I think that's one of the important things where I would say why most even people would say get business partners in what you do. So I got a job, which was a consulting job in itself. And it wasn't, it was partly being an entrepreneur, but it was a very specific skill based on my education, which was information um, technology, where I, I would travel a lot, but while I traveled for work as a consultant, I was putting in 80 hours a week. That was a lot of time. So it was very right. difficult for me to put in 12 hour shift, days, seven man. days a week. <laughs> yeah. For two, three weeks at a time. And then I have to like manage a side hustle, if you want to call it at that time. So I leaned on Ralph a lot to help me to help us figure out everything. I mean, Ralph would have to handle shipping. I mean, yes, I would fulfill my end of, of communications when it came to technology, emails and things like that. And you'd say, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. But I wasn't hands-on and I leaned on him to do that. And there were times when he had to make certain transitions in his life as well, where he had to lean on me to say, okay, you are taking on this well, burden of what we're doing. And, and that was, that came with a lot of communications and, and that's right. just between us as partners. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it, so, so, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Seth, because another key thing that people have to realize is business is up and down, just like the stock market, just yes. like everything else is up and down. And Seth, so my reality was I was facing having to go back to a nine to five. This was when the core flipping was really seasonal. I was making the cash, but I was making yeah. it really from the months of January through April, tax season only. I would do 
four or five cores yeah, like April. sometimes a day. Yeah, you know, tech teachers really that January to April. And to be honest, within our culture, that's the time where people are buying the hot whips, the chargers, the Monte Carlos, the this and that. Yeah. And, you know, business was booming. But Cecil, it was so seasonal in that it, at a certain point in time now, I had my second son on the way. You know, what do I do? Go back to a nine to five. It disrupts everything that I've built for the past five years, six years. Don't go back to a nine to five, lack of survival. So I had to find that median. And honestly, that's what pushed me into the franchising, man. And as I was building up the franchise model, you know, that's where I really had to lean on you. Seth, I'm swamped out. Got to build this up so I don't have to go back and take away even more time from Royal Dynamite and everything else we're doing. I need you to lean in a little bit and let's set up, you know. And it forced us to actually upgrade. It forced us to level up. We went a lot more yeah. digital now. We're, you know, you order direct from the website. We're not even touching product no more. It's going straight to you from a warehouse. Yeah, we, so, yeah, man. And I think as you grow, that's kind of what you, depending on what business you do. Obviously, we were in the e-com business. We were online. But yet still, we had to deal with people physically, whether it's through pop-up shops, whether it's going to places physically or people hitting you up and say, yo, invoice me for this. And we had to force ourselves to systematize our business. We had to say, hey, or we had to also train our audience, our consumers to say, if you need, this is where you can find it. Go to royaldynamite.com, <laughs> get what you need to get. Ralph has days where he ships. It's not an <laughs> everyday thing where it's like, okay, yeah. be Wednesday and, and maybe Saturday or Wednesday and get everything ready to, on Sunday to ship out again on yeah. Monday. That way we're not touching the business every single day um, and, and that type of stuff. But I mean, I, don't know, I think one of the most important things that I, I kind of touched on lately, lastly, my last point was communications. Ralph and I had to communicate a lot because we had to lean on each other yeah. for support as we were going through. Like I said, this, is, this wasn't a linear um, journey where we were just doing the right things the right way. I mean, we were scrappy. We were trying to figure out everything we could to find success. And sometimes it's not necessarily the best way we did it, but that's the way we had to do it. That was our journey. And yeah. everybody's journey is very different. Now, the right thing would be to scale your business to consistent income, make sure you reach these milestones. And obviously you're consulting with like a financial person, a legal person to make sure your business plan is in place, to make sure your business structures are in place. And I think from a communication standpoint, you also want to make sure you're talking to your family to address the concerns because you always have to be on the same page. And I know Ralph and I have a lot of, not even stories, but examples. So for me, even if you fast forward to my last job before I went full-time as an entrepreneur, I had to do what I had to do. I was, I had a son on the way and my, my wife was in residency and I always say in residency, literally you get given a stipend and that wasn't a salary. So I had to do what I needed to do to support our family or, or make the majority of what needed to happen financially to support our family. So I had to get a job because like yep. I said, clothing line was still not in a position yet where it sustained our lifestyles or, or, or sustain what we were doing. So I had to go get a job. I had to lean back again on my education, my skill sets and type of stuff and get a job. But I always communicated to my wife, whether it was verbally, sometimes we had communications about this, or maybe my body language, non-verbally, where she knew that's not what I wanted to do, but that's what I had to do from a responsibility, responsibility standpoint. Yeah. And when I finally got let go from that job, 
I called her and I remember that day distinctly. And she, I mean, I called her and then I called you. And she said to me when she was on the other side of the phone, she knew she was happy. She was relieved because, I mean, as much as we had a family and all these things, because she knew the burden of what that job was doing to me, because there was a lot of things I wouldn't even go into to explain. But my travel time, what I had to do and all these things, but I had to do these things. But then we had to sit down and have a conversation. And I said, I'm not going back. You're almost done. We're about to leave this state anyway. We're moving to another place. We're starting a a new leaf, starting a new journey. And we need to make sure, I need to know that you're on board with my decisions and, but not just being on board. What are we going to do? How are we going to, I mean, like I always say, we save. I'm somebody, it doesn't matter how little I make, I save money. If I make a hundred dollars off of like flipping something, I'm probably saving at minimum $10 of that money, but I save money. That's my, that's kind of like my strength. And so I always made sure we had money saved up to, uh, for the emergencies or for anything that we needed uh, money for. But off of that, off of the strength off of knowing what we had financially, knowing what potential we had moving forward in the future for her career, I was able to make that decision. Now, it's difficult because I, it's funny as I have, because of that, I wouldn't call it, if you want to call it a privilege or about planning, I always kind of impose that on some of my friends who are single or who are by themselves and maybe don't have other partners. And they always tell me like, Cecil, hey, I don't have the kind of cushion you have where you have a partner, especially when it comes to the healthcare and all these different yeah. things. They're like, I have to do it by myself. And I'm always mindful as I think of these things. But I think this journey is for people who are at a position where they have the other person or even if you're by yourself, but mostly have the other person. You have to communicate with that person and make sure you are in a situation where you understand exactly what the family or the unit is getting itself into, man. Oh, no, definitely, man. I was about to say, what what was it like for you? Because I know when you had to transition from thinking of going back to your nine to five to now when you actually started the subway situation, what was that process like for you? Man, it was, so so I think the real strain came from the family dynamic changing so much. So me being a full-time entrepreneur for about three years at that point, I'm full-time entrepreneur. My family adapted to me being able to pick up the kids from school, drop them off at school, make them breakfast, make dinner. While my wife was a nine to five, you know, worker um, and had a commute and things of that sort. So I guess that was one of the things, me going back to a nine to five, would have disrupted the family dynamic too much. And honestly, a lot of people don't know this. And if you're listening, keep this in mind. It actually would have rose my expenses to where it probably would have canceled out the extra I was making on the nine to five. Because at that point now, I had a one-year-old. Daycare cost would have hit us for at least $300 a week. That would have been $1,200 a month. Wow. Yeah, so, so me going and probably making an additional you know, four or five grand a month. Some of that is already going to expenses that I didn't have in the beginning had I just went ahead and stayed full time. So, so my, you know, going into franchising was that, that median. It, it allowed me to control my own schedule, control my destiny per se. And it also provided traffic automatically. With the car business, I drew in the traffic. With everything else, with Royal Dynamite, yeah. we had to draw in the traffic. With this we logo on the front the door, yeah. yeah, with this logo on the front door, the traffic was automatically going to be coming in. And at the same time, it's a business where I could control my schedule 
and do everything else. So when I said that I was going that route, I think it kind of provided some consolation to my wife, but oh. not even just to her. I also, I, you know, I got to consider my siblings, my mother, all of them too, because there is a worry. Oh man, what is our family member Raphael doing? Is he okay? Things that sort. So I had to console them and let them know everything's going to be all right. This is my game plan. I'm going to work it how I need to work it for my survival, but we're going to be okay. So that's how my, you know, my communication had to go. It, there was a second level being the family, you know, my my outside family. But I'm, I really made sure that the the plan was foolproof. Now, yes, there was no proof of concept validation on my end, but the global the globe knows Subway. So say like, I don't have to test that model. We know it's automatic. Well, I mean working. that is your proof of concept. So right, I mean, you right. did your research before you Correct. got into the Subway. You exactly knew how it worked and. You put in that exactly. time. So, I mean, exactly. with those businesses, they already have their proof of concept. So it wasn't like, right. hey, you're going to change the way Subway operates. They tell you how they operate, right. how they make a sandwich, how they do this, how people, I mean, exactly. like you said, they were already driving traffic into their stores and things of that nature. Yeah, but man. Exactly. I mean, like you said, it's important that you figure these things out. And as you now, we've gone through these steps, you've communicated, you've about all these different things now as you want to go into full-time entrepreneurship or when the time is right you gradually reduce your hours of work like most people would do and the income at your at your business is stabilizing so that side hustle is becoming taking more and more of your time yeah. hopefully not yeah. just your time but it's, it's a slow transition in, man yeah it's bringing in money and you are monitoring your business's progress you're adapting right. to strategies and you're getting feedback from people and performances like for us I think it, for R&D, especially when I took it on full time, yeah, I knew I needed support. And that's when yeah. Ralph was somewhat going full time on Subway. I knew I needed yeah. support because I said, okay, I'm going to take on this challenge full time. We're going to give it all we have. Because I always said to Ralph, I will not quit on this business until we throw everything we can yeah. from a marketing, financial, whatever, imagination, every standpoint. To make sure we tried and we say, okay, if it doesn't work, then we can walk away, but we're going to do that. So when we did that, we had fundings, but we had to make sure that we put certain things in place. We had to get an accountant or financial advisor, had to make sure now we were hiring VAs. We were hiring, like what I would say, a team of people that helped when it came to the different things that we needed for the business, like graphic designer and all these different things, Mark, social media person and now, as a full-time per like as a full-time employee of your own business, you have to dedicate time to managing your employees. You have to talk to your financial person to make sure whether it's week by well, for us it was bi-weekly, to make sure you're in a position where she's telling you or this person's telling us, hey, you're spending too much money, or you're on track, or they have questions. So how do you intend on making money? How do you intend on doing this? And even around that time, I think. I got a mentor. I got somebody who would help me navigate. So on a weekly basis, I would tell them everything that I was doing, my challenges, my successes, and they would help me figure out what we could try, what we, we could test, how we could tweak things. So I think the, the, the journey to full-time entrepreneurship is not just something that, I mean, for us, like I said, we jumped into it and it was kind of like sink or swim and we had yeah. to figure it out. But yeah. the, the regular path is you take your time and this can take time. This can take 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, or even longer 
to transition. Because like I said, some of the people we talked to, it took them 12 years to just get there. But it's something they had been thinking about to make sure when they transition, they're like very well positioned to tackle on full-time entrepreneurship because it comes with a lot of uncertainty, even when you prepare for yeah. it. And yeah. you have to make sure you are in a position to be able to tackle it. Because I, I always say entrepreneurship comes with these ups and downs, Ralph, where some days I wake up and I'm full of doubt. And it's interesting Same. to say that because when I say I'm full of doubt, one of the habits Ralph and I have gotten into lately is in the mornings, because our schedules are so tough, we have to drop off kids, come back, work, do whatever, work, and this and that. We send each other these voice notes. And in these voice notes, we have to like encourage each other like, hey, good morning, but hope your day is going good. Hope you're, you're ready for the day because we have to tell each other that. So it's motivation to kind of be like, yo, yep. I can't be slacking here. So whatever was keeping you down. Correct. You better get it together and say so <laughs> because man, Lord knows says some of those days I'm like man hey I'm not telling Cecil so I'm taking a day off but when you hit me with that text that voice I'm like hey bro we need to do this this and that it's Cecil like I love this man I I could take it as like oh dude here we go again but I'm like man thanks Cecil crack this laptop open let me move forward ahead again today you gave me the motivation I was needed in for everyone making this transition they're gonna have to find that source of motivation. Yeah, if you had a business yeah. partner like Cecil or if you had a business partner like Ralph, that'd be great. But if you don't have that, you need to find that. You need to be able to self-motivate. You need to find that outside motivation to be able to take you, take you further on a daily basis you know, and trump that negativity or that, that laziness that, that will come over you, man. It's natural. That's a symptom that all entrepreneurs face on a daily Here's you see, sometimes people, you know, categorize it as a vacation, but reality is you just really needed a break away from this because once you're locked in, you're locked in all the way, you know, and I really think that is a key, man. It, it is something that keeps us going I mean, on I a daily basis. It needs sure. discipline. Yeah. I always say entrepreneurship is, needs, it's, it needs the concept of life by design. Now, the people who stumbled into it, there are people who um, plan on, on going into it. And I think for everybody out there listening, if you stumble into it, perfectly fine, but you still need to plan. It's a life by design. Yeah. It's not something you just figure out and it happens where you become successful. So ultimately, I think there's phases of which you transition from the thought of it to proof of concept, making sure your business is as a side hustle is growing and you're putting the right systems and the processes in place and financially you're seeing that the revenue growth and you're slowly you're investing into your business but you're also investing into your your stability your cushion to make sure when it comes time to make that transition i think the two most important things you need to there's the financial investment and the skill investment you need to make sure yeah. you have the money to transition when you go full-time and you need to make sure your skill sets or whatever you're going to services Correct. or products you're going to be offering a1 to be able to make that great now, point like we, i always say and i will keep repeating it's not a linear um path and that path it's not a straight path it's yeah. not easy but if you want to do it you have to keep trying and and in all this like for all for the last 15 years we have failed a lot we've had i always like to say it this week we've had a lot of failures and we have a lot of micro successes 
Now, the goal is to tie these micro successes together, which is the experience. The failures and the and successes are the Definitely. experience by which you learn to, to figure out how to put it together and then say, okay, I finally unlock these parts of what I need to do. And I can, I have a foundation now by which I'm, I'm going to continue to build upon to make sure you do. Cause at the end of the day, I always say business, the sole aim of a business is to generate revenue and make a profit. Essentially, I mean, or that's maybe the goal of the business. The aim is to serve people. It's, it's, to, it's a value proposition. You have to have something of value people want. And as long as you can find that value, whether that value is in you in the form of a skill or whether it's a product that people really need, then you can give it to them in exchange for money. And ultimately, you make enough revenue that turns a profit to sustain yourself and your family. That's literally what entrepreneurship and business is about. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's innovation. It's solving people's problems and it's solving the right. world's problems. And I think Ralph and I love the adrenaline and the thrill of trying to solve and figure out problems. And I mean, and that's one of the reasons we we're doing this podcast is we're getting to talk to people who are teaching us and you, hopefully you guys, yeah. what it takes to be successful. And we're taking, I mean, we're taking all that information and it's a lot of data and we're saying, yo, we didn't think of it this way. I mean, it's not just for, for the business side of things. It's also for the family side of things where people are saying, this is what I do. This is what works. And, at least we could try to know if it works for us. And if it doesn't, you throw it out. I think this is a topic where we definitely will do a teacher moment on this and definitely structured up key points and send out to it. And we'll also have some deliverables attached to this because this is one of the main topics. That's so the, you know, it's family man building the brand, but that's so broad. It, everything in between is so broad. And a key part of that is yeah. this transition from working a nine to five to entrepreneurship or navigating how to balance yeah. the both exactly while balancing their family. So it's been great. One other point that I really wanted to hit though, Cecil, and this is something that we do now is once we've mastered validating a business and making sure that it can operate on its own, we did it once and it got us out to the nine to fives. But even while we're out and we're building that business that we left for, we still went back and created other streams of income. Now, it wasn't that oh, yeah. we didn't put 100% of focus on the validated business. We had to go over time again. We're going to put the 100% focus on this validated business that has been growing. But at the same time, to, el to eliminate the chance of me having to go back, let me get this other side hustle going. Take the skills that I've learned from building this validated business and aim to build that up. It's a part of the framework of the entrepreneur journey as well, too. You know, growth is the last part of this. Everything you learn through a mindset, Cecil, you set the foundation, you've launched a business. The growth phase is now you going on ahead and growing everything you've learned and multiplying it. So that was one thing we did. You know, we created tour yeah, rental I mean, businesses, stock trading, which we've lost on, but we've also gained on, you know, different things that, that brought in additional income to secure us. Yeah, I think I will leave it off by saying you... With your experiences, you learn to create systems and processes yeah. that work that you can put a lot of things on auto drive. So yeah. these additional forms, streams of income have to be, yeah. I'm not going to say easy, but they have to be, they, they cannot Great be point. as stressful as your, your primary source of income or business. Because if they are, then it's defeatist. You're not going to get to where you need to get to. So you have to make sure 
these are, I mean, they have to be complementary, but at the same time, you also have to make sure that there's systems in place to, to ensure that you have a stress-free, because you can have seven streams of income and all seven of them are stressing you. It doesn't work yep. that way. Hopefully yep. one business, I would think ideally you take one business that you can build multiple streams from. That would be the most ideal thing. It doesn't always happen that way. So if you, if gotcha. it doesn't happen that way, you have to make sure those additional streams of income are not going to add on additional stress or burden onto like that primary business that you're trying to grow. Yep. Because if it is, then it's nothing's going to work. You're just going to be in this perpetual loop of trying to figure things out as an entrepreneur. So with that said, hopefully you guys found this useful and helpful. We would like to hear your journey of, because I have, everything is a journey. We'd like to hear your journey from nine to five to full-time entrepreneur. Let us know what you think. Let us know how it's been for you. Because ultimately we're trying to build a community where we all can share ideas. We all can share solutions, problems to solutions or solutions to problems rather and figure it out so with that said thank you guys very much for listening thank you for listening to another episode and i'll let ralph take it home yeah no doubt man as usual guys you already know we need your feedback please whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on make sure to leave us a five-star review leave us some feedback and make sure to subscribe and follow us as well too but once again it's family man building the brand bringing you the gems and the game needed to navigate this entrepreneur's journey been Ralph Diesel, Cecil Williams. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Family Man Building the Brand. We hope we left you with a ton of value from this episode. If you like what you heard, feel free to leave us a rating and a review. This helps our show gain traction with other listeners just like you. You can join our community by subscribing and following Family Man Building the Brand on your favorite podcast platform. Remember, we're family and together we build. 